0: Welcome to the sixth episode of Talking Time. And today, Ricky and I are chatting to Matt Humphreys, founder of MHD Watches. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I'm well, very well. Thanks. thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. I'm a bit uh, concerned about my contribution today because we've got two huge motorsport fans here and uh, me, someone who only passed their driving, got their driving license a year and a half ago.
1: Yeah, but to be fair, you're from Russia, so you probably drove around for at least 15 years without a license. (laughs) Never. Never, 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 never. never. (laughs) No, you're right. uh, Obviously, I've got a background uh, in cars, motorcycles and things. That's a passion of mine. But we're not here to talk about my passions. We're here to talk about our guests. Matt and his passion so tell us how did you get into watches how did it all come to be
2: um I probably better starting with a bit about my history I'm uh, an ex-car designer so I'm watch designer so what we we actually do at MHD is we take the concepts of the way that you design a car and then I use that to design a watch being a car designer it's all about form it's about surface language uh, graphical layout proportion and all those elements be it in a vehicle that's an object that's four meters long or an object that's 40 millimeters doesn't matter. It's exactly the same process. It has to work on a wrist. It has to be functional, just like you have to take people inside a vehicle. So it's taking all the sort of education that I got from my car design days and building it into a lot smaller item. Um, the end of the day, I'm a magpie. If it was, if it's a car with, um, it's concert car detailing, I'll be just as enthusiastic about that as I will when I come to my watch design. Um. And it all started when I was, um, I went to Compton University when I was, um, studying vehicle design it's a four year course. And in my third year, everybody goes off and does a, a work placement. Um, I sent my folio off to, um, Morgan Motor Company, which is a very traditional British manufacturer. Um, at the time they hadn't actually ever had a designer involved. So I went there as a 20 year old on a work placement. Uh, Charles Morgan, the grandson liked, liked the rights of my work and, um, Basically it set me up in this tiny little office above the wood shop. And it was that glamorous. I mean it was a complete dump up there. There was wood shavings all over the place. There was constantly a um a uh, an extractor fan going. A risk of fire. <laughs> a risk of fire, definitely. Um it was it was I mean uh, at the time I had long blonde hair, so I'd walk through the wood shop and get wolf whistled by four or five of the, the, uh, oh, no. the carpenters. Uh, it was it was it was like being thrown in the deep end. But it was the best education I ever had. Um, being in the wood shop, I appreciated the skill and craftsmanship that these um, guys and girls were manufacturing these wooden frames for the vehicle. So if you don't know about a Morgan, it's a traditional book vehicle. So you've got a chassis um, with the engine built up front, and then there's a wooden framework, which is like a coat hanger, which sits on top of the, of the chassis. And then aluminium panels are then stretched over the wood. And that's how all traditional vehicles are made. So- I was there at the time they also had a modern, more modern vehicle called the aero eight, which had got BMW V eight in it, a bonded aluminum chassis, like an Aston Martin or a Lotus, um, but still had this lightweight wooden frame with aluminum panels. So whilst I was there, I was asked to, um, basically design a coupe body to fit on top of this chassis. I wasn't told much more than that. So I came up with the idea of exposing the wooden framework internally, just like you would in a piece of architecture. Um. Or a, you know, a, a bit like a Tudor house or a modern steel front structure, you'd see the structure internally. And um, so, I came up this framework, this sort of internal skeleton, I suppose you'd call it, um, and then stretched this aluminium panel work over it. I went back to Coventry, made a clay model, which is what you do in vehicle design, and again, that's all about understanding surface, proportion, volume, um, and the way that light hits the surface and panels. So, I went and did that. I then presented the model to a chap called Prince Eric Sturzer, um, who happened to also own uh, a Swiss bank, Banker Bering, which is kind of handy. So um, he he basically said, oh, yeah, great. I love it. I'll have it. And well, I assumed he meant my clay model. So I then went back to university to finish off my, this is about October, to finish my degree off. Which year? Uh, this was 2004, this was. So I... Uh, so at this point, I went back to university, and then I got a phone call from one of the chaps in the, the metal shop, a very talented uh, metal worker who called me up and said, "Mate, we could do with your help. Do you mind popping in one morning? So I turned up back at the factory one morning, in about November. They'd laid out a brand new chassis, and they we tried to scale my clay model up to make a real version of it. Now, when you make a clay, you exaggerate things. So the wheels, because it was a quarter scale clay, a very small one, it was only about a meter and a half long, the wheels would be the equivalent of a 40-inch and it was it never have worked. I mean, You wouldn't even got a person in it. So at that point, so I then basically started working with Dave, and we would get the chassis in place and literally put spines of wood across the front of the chassis to work out where we were going to break up the panel breakup and work out how all this internal structure was going to be with the guy's guy called Nigel Blackshaw in the woodshop. Um and we did this, and I basically used to go to Morgan in the morning, work till lunchtime there, and I'd sketch up all, I mean everything from, Door mirrors, internal door handles, every single item had to be visualized. So then, um, this incredible sc- uh, craftsman, craftsman at, at Morgan, could then literally hand make it. So I'd sketch a door mirror, for example, on a Tuesday morning. By Wednesday afternoon, Dave will have made it. It was it was unbelievable the process they went through. Anyway, we um, finished the, the the concept car off by March, and we took it out to the Geneva Motor Show. Um, and that's where my design career started, really. So on the uh, two thousand and five March Geneva Motor Show, we launched the car to the public, and um, instantly we got a hundred orders, pre-orders off the back of that. And they decided to make that their first, um, basically, the most expensive Morgan that ever would ever made before. So um, I went back to university, finished my degree, um, and then went on to Morgan to set up what is now Morgan Design, and and to give them this capability of visualizing design and take it from a sketch all the way through to production um and i was there for about 10 years we did about four or five concept cars and then also four or five production vehicles um, and whilst i was there i also had a good understanding over and um, the brand guidelines the visual identity of the company i still the show stands which gave me a really good overview for branding as well as design of the vehicle um, and after about 10 years i basically turned around and said well either make me a director or or i'm off to do something on my own so i uh <laughs> basically got the nudge and i said that's it so i went off and i worked with the Royal college of art for five years as a as a part-time tutor they do a, a master's in vehicle design um, and at the same time i was also designing watches for a company called lonville out in switzerland it's an, an old brand that they're trying to rebirth and um it was my watch i'd always had a, a real appreciation for watches i'd always liked um well vintage shakos uh, I've got quite a collection of uh, some longer divers watches and but more some of the more obscure casework that they did in the sort of sixties and seventies as well as some smaller watches I think my eighteenth I had a an amiga um uh, second world war watch i can't remember the exact the details of it, but I, I appreciated watches for a long time, but when I was um challenged with des- redesigning the morgan three wheeler um I decided to make the Binnacle, the dash binnacle, and a piece of jewelry within the car because it's such a sort of an open vehicle. And I made this layered case that had this very um nautical cut feel to it. And I got really into designing all of this sort of layered quality of, of this this dash piece, which had two dials in it, a rev counter and a speedo, and some switch gear a the across the bottom. Um, and we pitched the starter button. I managed to find from the Eurofighter jet, and that became which is the bomb release button. And that became the start button for the I think three wheeler. So I got this this love from awesome from going for something very large to something a lot smaller. And um, w- we just decided one day after doing the work with Longville that it's why don't why don't I make a business out of this? So along the side of of being a freelance car designer, which I did for a, about ten years, and uh, worked on supercar projects from things from supercar projects to electric scooters all sorts of different uh, elements of design and um, i set up mhd and we just started with a very small quartz uh, range to start with um and as we sort of built and as i went through the process of designing these different watches the thing that really got me interested is that i love the quality and the complexity of making a case that isn't just your standard eyes shape I like something that has a layered quality to it. I like an engineered feel. And what we're trying to do is give this engineered quality, this engineered aesthetic with all of our watch cases. So everything we do, every case we have is, is made up of four or five different elements. We have what we call the chassis, the barrel, the bezel, and then the, uh, the, the, the the back section that all clamps together and is fixed all the way through mechanically. So everything has got a very engineered feel. And, and a lot of our customer base are from the automotive world and they're petrol heads And they love our stuff because they see the relationship between the mechanical quality of a vintage car or a vintage motorbike. And then they try and they can see that relating that into our watch watch cases. And again, as I said, it's all about proportion. It's about volume. It's about um, a mixture of those elements. When you look at a watch dial and to get the graphical content right on the dial, it's about that balance of line, color, um, contrast between the color. It's a very, very complex thing um which is why a lot of simple watches are actually more difficult to design i think than something that's overcomplicated because it's easier to fill a space than it is to take away and need just the elements that are needed
0: but i see that's quite a story
2: and that's the end of the show
0: no it's a brilliant <laughs> story and i mean you you've achieved so much there and then it's it's just um
1: brilliant did i ask who old y'all know well i was forty this year so i know uh they like officially a middle-aged man you're a very fresh-faced 40 year old let me put it that way because i can see you the joys of webcam technology that kind of takes us quite the way through this episode already and that is a brilliant intro i wish i'd taken some notes there because there's so many questions that i have about the car process and i think we're going to have to have a chat offline or potentially a second episode because yeah my fascination with car building motorsports i have never attempted to design a car Designed a few watches in my time but cars are just you know something 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 that I look to And we have had Frank Stephenson On the Scottish Watches Podcast in the past You'll know who that is He was the designer Of the Cosworth Yep Great guy He's got a brilliant YouTube channel I think he created The new Mini Which is now the old Mini at BMW Plus tons of other Ferraris All kinds of things But the way you've Explained that process The way that you Talked about starting off at ground zero in the education system and then moving forward. Wow, I'm just absolutely blown away by it. But the question I would probably have is why did you decide to take the car knowledge and instead of starting a car company, move into the watch side of things? Um well, I did try to start a car company actually. So I, okay. I did that as well. Um but trust me, trying to
2: raise five hundred million to do a one-off supercar is is not an easy uh thing to be done especially in today's market where it's a different world out there i mean i'm, I'm a petrol head. i love anything mechanical I, lo- I love the noise of an engine and um vehicles are, are moving in a new direction it's it's all about new luxury it's about um being aware of your uh, surroundings and being um vehicle vehicles aren't necessarily going the direction that that's i appreciate i suppose these days yeah, you know, these uh, electric vehicles are, are more white goods. I describe them as.
1: That's a very good way of explaining it. I saw a video recently on Carwow where they took all the different Teslas and raced them against each other. And to me, they all look like the same car. Yeah, I mean, there's
2: there's a big problem there with with this aesthetically, where no one understands which, which vehicle's which either. Now, I always think that's a you know if Jaguar to have the same problem when they did the F Type and then the sorry the X F and the X E. Nobody knows what the difference between the two cars are. I mean, if you're a petrol head, you do, but to the majority of people, they look like the same vehicle, but one's just slightly fatter. I mean, I, I, this Aston Martin had the same problem, where nobody knew what which, which car was which because they all looked so similar and they had such a brand identity, strict guidelines they had to keep to that they ended up um, nobody really knew which one was which. So it's the, it's it's a way, it's a route that I think manufacturers are now going away from to give each vehicle more identity so it has its own uh, purpose um, it's i mean we do that with our watches we have um elements of our watches that that's our sort of signature so we have a signature dial graphic so from um eight to either 11 or 12 there is this consistent bar that goes on all, on all of our dials and that is a sort of a nod to the rev character that we did with our very first watch design but it's become a, a, a graphic which we take through from every different element of design that we do. So if it's a watch that's inspired by the Bugatti Type 35 that we did, which has got a very 1920s and 30s feel to it, there still is that consistent graphic on the dial. So there's a nod there that says, okay, that is that is MHD, but aesthetically the rest of it can be very different, very challenging. Um, but you have to have certain elements. So at the end of the day, you could put a range of products together and people go, oh, if you if you blurs the logo out people can still tell you know what design that is i mean Schofield, he does it very well you know all of his watches are his watches because he's got that scope because he's got that 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 identity of design from something that's completely wacky in one direction or very distilled and simple in another it's it's very important to think as a brand for people
1: to understand that um so they so they then appreciate it and go well that that's it's that watch That's that brand. Talking about people Mistaking cars for cars When the Boxster came out All the 911 owners Went crazy Because it looked Identical from the front And they quickly yeah. changed The fried eggs To something else But probably Something that listeners Won't know Especially if they're New to your brand is we're talking about Automotive inspired Designs Your watches Are not Mega expensive They should cost A lot more than they are I've had a good look Through your website I haven't actually Had one in hand yet But that will be Remedied shortly We're not talking rent- of our money we're not talking singer reimagined money porsche design or anybody like that we're talking pocket friendly pricing for designs that you don't get anywhere else how have you managed to take that design philosophy your experience and compress it down into a product that doesn't break the bank
2: i suppose as a designer you always you try too hard in a way if i if i was trying to make loads of money being a watch brand i'd probably just take an existing case change a dial for someone else put someone else's movements in it Grind it a certain way and flog a load of them. But being a designer, I'm, I'm too egotistical and um, big headed to say that I have to rule every single part of that what So, be it subhand, second uh, uh, hands, be it size of the fixings, every single element apart from the movement. And I relate back to the cars in the same way. They I mean, always did the Morgans would use a BMW V8 because it's a strong, reliable move, uh, engine. And as a, ma- a small manufacturer that they are, for them to rebuild that engine would have been, you know, bankrupting. It was a completely pointless operation. So, so for them, they, they, they put their skills to the elements that they can change and the elements that make the difference aesthetically and also to the customer. And that's what we're trying to do. You know, we take a reliable Japanese movement and then it's all about the design process. It's about the design influence. Um, and that's what I'm trying to get across. I mean, we have a blog on our website where we try and expose as much of the design process as possible. So people can kind of understand the pain, really, but also the good parts and the bad parts that you go through when you're designing a watch. As, as, you, know, as you know, Ricky, as you as you as you've been through it, um, you, you have to you know go through that process and sometimes step back, sit on it, you know. <laughs> digest so this overnight and then come back to it.
1: It's the same with any kind of design I've done in the past: graphic design, websites, magazines. And what looks great at six o'clock at night might look completely shitty at nine a.m. in the morning the next day. Definitely, yeah.
0: Looking back at your first watch, now talking about the design process, would you have done anything different? Were you, are you hundred percent happy with the first one you've done? Every, every single design, is
2: I don't think they're ever happy with anything they've ever done. I think any good designer always challenges themselves because, oh, I would have changed this bit. I would have done that bit. So, I mean, the first one we did, it, everyone is, is, a, is a process to me. It's a stepping stone to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Um, and I think I think sometimes you have to just sort of, even if there are elements that aren't quite right, we've learned a lot about sizing over the last, you know, almost 10 years we've been going. We've learned a lot about uh, how a watch sits on the wrist. Um, some of our earlier, what the very first watch is probably slightly too long lug to lug slightly too large in diameter for what i like to wear these days um but that's adapted with style and adapted with with customers tastes as
1: well well a little birdie tells me matt that you're actually going to be attending a show early next year is that correct
2: yes we definitely ought to get involved um bring all of our products along and and get people to try them on and and get a feel for them i mean we, we do quite a few events um especially automotive events really so coming to a watch event is a great thing for us to really you know show our products in front of a, of a target audience and um and get them to try them on and get to get the feel i mean as he said our watches are not overly expensive um but i'm proud of the quality i'm proud of the design that goes into them and the people as you said you know people people normally put them on and they go why is this so cheap you know it's it's that's partly what you know the specification that we're doing the most i think um but yeah, I can't wait to come to the event, especially in London and, and uh, in the position that it's in. It will be a great place to demonstrate the brand.
1: Well, if you've not heard about this event, then Katya, you can fill in our listeners all about it. It's going
0: great. So we've got over 40 exhibitors. It's, it'll be a packed hall. Um, they're all British watch and clock brands. It's a really big venue, but it looks like it's going to be very, very busy show. Um, so we've decided to give our club members priority access to tickets from 30th of October. Yeah, join our club. You'll get the free ticket to the event. Um, You'll get your hands-on those special edition watches, but you'll also get subscriptions to some great magazines, Oracle Time, Europa Star, GMT. It's only £55 a year.
1: Right, well, I've got questions. I always have questions. And my question to you is, take me through the design stages of a watch where do you begin? Because when we speak to different creators, different watchmakers, they've all got their own little knacks of doing things and they haven't come from the automotive world. So blank bit of paper, you wake up, you've got an idea. What happens next?
2: So, There's a a couple of different ways. It always starts for me with a sketch. We either take influence from a vehicle, a design period, um, an influence with our we did a watch called the Streamliner Range. With that particular one, I actually took three different design periods, so 1930s, 1950s, 1970s, um, and they basically picked elements and, and uh, aesthetic languages from those periods and sketched out some ideas, some very quick, rough sketches, some fast rendering over the top, put them together this some image boards demonstrating the sort of influences from the three different periods, and we actually put that out to our customer base and then asked for feedback. And then from that feedback, we decided to go down the route of the streamliner, which was the 1930s route, and take influence from in the streamliner design period, which was to the Raymond Low trains, um, and and that's um, just on the sort of the brink of Second World War, basically. But it was it was some of the the objects that were, if the Second World War hadn't sort of happened, you would have had this huge advance, I think, in design. And I wanted to try and get that almost Art Deco quality into a, into a what so. For me it's about finding the correct influence material um, for, and then from it you can build up initially a volume so i go into a pro so i'll sketch it i'll sketch up in 3d in, in on paperwork do different renderings visualizing it in different views and then when i have three to four different views which come together as the same object that's when i go into 3d it's the same with the car i mean when you're doing a your vehicle You've got to do a front three-quarter, a rear three-quarter, and a side view of the sketch. And I did the same with the watch. I do a bang on side, bang on front, top, and then a top three-quarter. Once I have those views sketched out and they all the same elements come together in the same different angles, in the different angles, that's when you can go, right, there's a clear direction. And then I'll take that into 3D. So then I go into a program called Cinema 4D, which is just a very simple polygon um, modeling
1: program. Don't expect you to see that. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say SolidWorks or something else, not a cinema four D. Wow, okay.
2: Yeah. I mean for me, I, I I'm a bit of an old school designer really. I used to pick up the clay. So when I was doing cars, it would be it would be done in clay and I would literally scrape off the surface, put a tape line down, scrape back. The reason I like cinema four D is that I find it more intuitive, more like clay modeling than some of the other CAD programs. And I think you mm-hmm. need to have that balance between Aesthetic, artistic, as well as functionality, especially as, as, a, as a designer, as a creative, I suppose. What I used to find when I was um, a tutor at the Royal College of Art was that I used to tutor the, the students in a master's in vehicle design. And you'd always find that people would be able to sketch their ideas up fantastically. And then when they have to take it into CAD, the CAD would limit the design that came out at the end because of their knowledge of the process of the CAD, if you understand. So if they can't operate the CAD properly, it limits the design. So all you end up doing is having a half-assed design because you don't know enough about the CAD program. Now, if that's the case, mm-hmm. change the program so you get the results that you want, um, which is why I use Cinema 4D. And I find it works perfectly for, um, as I said, with same with the vehicles, you know, I can pull out a volume, I can put different surface finishes on, I can pull, adapt, tweak, all those surfaces and those curves and those lines as much as I want to get them as right as I want. And in car design, you're always taught to have tension in every line, or I was at least. And and so it looks like you've got a ruler, and you're pulling at two ends of the ruler. When that line that is curved by that, that's got tension in, and you're getting that tension from the piece of metal. So every single line that you see on a vehicle, I was taught, should have tension in it, and that gives it speed. So it doesn't look soggy. It doesn't look fat. It doesn't look overweight. That's where you look at, like, an organic, you know, sort classic, like any type. You know? it looks fast because every line has got
1: tension in it. It's like a cheetah moving
2: exactly. And and Frank could say the same thing. I mean, all of his vehicles, they all have. You know, they look light on their feet. They've got that tension. They've got speed. You know, when he did the McLaren P1 and stuff, when he did basing around the cheetah, it's exactly that process. Now I try and relate that to our watches. So when you look at our side view of one of our cases, for example, that curve that comes from the bottom of the of the lug up to the top of the case and across for me that line has to be correct now it has to be correct in side view but also in top in plan view as well so when you're looking at it that curve that volume in that case still got that tension that i'm talking about and then it doesn't look heavy looks it looks like it's got you know purposeful form for me
1: wow this is a masterclass.
2: Yeah, you know, well, I don't want that, that. So then from uh, in CAD, um, I then work up the CADMON so that I apply different uh, finishes. So you notice on all of our, our cases, I am I like a mixture of finishes. I like a brush surface. I like a radial brush. I like a polish. So a polish surface will, will help to just highlight a line, help highlight to highlight a surface, and but also break up that body, that weight that you have, you know, a whole lump. So if you've got a watch case, which is all the same finish, it's going to look like one big heavy lump. But if you highlight maybe a line that comes through and and, and forms a shadow under it, you've broken up that surface. So you can break up a very heavy object by either putting lines through it or breaking up the finishes of it. Um, So what I'll tend to do is I'll tend to apply different finishes, give them different options, print off a variety of options, sleep on it, wake up the next morning, as we said, Review it again. Look at those different ways of of applying the surface finishes, applying different colours. I'll do countless different dial designs with different um, colour breakups, different uh, graphical workout bright wakeouts as well. Um, it's it's quite a long process, but for me, it's the bit I enjoy most and the selfish part of it is I love seeing an object going from sketch to then seeing that final production in my hand. That's where I get the, the most satisfaction. Now, as I said before, um, and yeah, it, it's It's a long process that we go through to get there, Um, which is why I'm I'm constantly trying to expose it to everybody, really, I suppose, just to say, look, we're not just buying a standard off-the-shelf object
1: here. This is something that's had love, pain, and, and a lot of time put into being developed. I know exactly what you mean because there have been many companies that we've worked with in the past where perhaps there's a collaborative watch getting produced and I come up with a couple of ideas send them across and within half an hour I've got all these different sketches because they've got a sketchbook and they know the case they're going to use they know the handset they've got in stock they know how they're going to just throw everything together but to listen to the way that you think about things it is a creative process it's not one and done and again I come back to the fact that your watches are inexpensive we didn't even talk about that price so do you want to tell us where they start So, we start
2: uh we tend to do very low volume batches so we have uh, our daily driver product, we, we just do we, we produce those in just patches of 100 that's got seiko mecha quartz movements in it and those are for 355 with a 10 percent discount we do those in a few different colorways Yes, we do a daily driver, which is at 355. We do that with a black dial, a reverse panda, and a uh, fully DLC coated black case as well. Um, and then we move up to our streamliner range. Those are 555. Um, and we do those three different colorways. And again, just a hun- just 200 of each colorways, what we manufactured with those. And then we've also got our SC range. Uh, we've completely sold out of the first colorway already again just a hundred of those with a gray dial and we'll be doing two other colorways of that which we'll be launching in the next couple of months and those on pre-order are 495 with a and that's got the Moyota 9 series with a 24-hour sub dial and the um, power reserve at the top so yeah we're, we're sort of around the sort of you near know, 350 to 550 pound mark Um everything's made from 316 stainless steel we use sapphire crystal glass as I said, every element is apart from the movement designed by myself for us specifically. So handsets, dials, the way they're manufactured. Um, I'm insistent that we have to have uh, metal movement holders inside. I don't like bits of 3D printed plastic or any of like that rubbish. Um, and I, as I said, everything we do, we do from CAD engineer it when they come back to myself i like to disassemble everything the soil pools make sure they're put together in the correct manufacturing process it took us a long time to find um, a manufacturer that's that's got the right quality that we wanted and the consistency um, but it's a passion project you know it, it's It really is passionate in that sort of way that that, that's why we do it.
0: So you must be working on a new design now.
2: We've got a couple of different designs and I've always got a few ideas in my head. I want to do a very simple uh, three-hand automatic next, which which has got some of the qualities of the earlier watches that I like. And then I have this idea of a a concept watch, which Mm -hmm. I keep dreaming about at the moment, which would be something which would be more money, um, but it needs to be challenging in the way that it's conceived and challenging in the way that you actually manufacture it. So I'm still mulling over ideas over that one, but uh, we'll see where it goes.
0: Perhaps for the British Watchmakers Day, something very
2: special. We, we may, well, if we haven't got it there, we can perhaps, you know, t- show some of the earlier design process. I mean, that's always a nice thing to to, to show people. So that that could be a thing that we show, which is a premier edge there, yeah.
0: Mm, how long does the design process usually take here? So, so, so far, thorough.
2: Um, it's normally around a 12 month process, if I'm honest, from sketch to when we get samples and, 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 and final production um, samples in, because it does take a long time to go from sketch to CAD refinement, get samples, make sure that they're right, and then through to the final production. So it's quite a long process compared to
1: other people, I'm sure. Uh, Yes, that certainly is. That's a long time. Probably not as long as it takes to design a car, but not far off it when you consider the (laughs) skills. Uh, But let's take it back to cars then. Do you ever feel like you want to dip your toe back into automotive? We mentioned earlier the white goods way that things seem to be going. Do you ever look at things and go, I could do that better?
2: Yeah i I mean, I think if I went back into automotive stuff, I've been working, well, even in the last few months with people doing uh, Resto mod vehicles, so taking classic car, but then um basically giving it modern modern engineering, but then modern design aesthetic as well. So things like the single Porsche that's out there, there's uh Lancia that's being done by um automobile Amos in Italy. Um and there's a few there's quite a few of these resto mod vehicles out there. Um I think it would be more down the lines of that if I was to have to go back into it. The the I the problem I have is that I was so spoiled at Morgan. Because basically everything I sketch got made. If I went into a into a car studio, it, I wouldn't have the same privileges really. So <laughs> I, I, I've been a bit spoiled in that in that sort of sense.
0: I've got the question of all of these incredible designs and projects you've done since you were twenty. Which one is the most special for you? Um, probably the first,
2: probably the first concept car I did when I was twenty-one, the, the Morgan Aeromax. Um, I still have a. a it's 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 um, inspiration is is a very architectural sort of um, form which I love. I, I I love the fact that the the wooden framework which is internal. Um, it basically um, the aluminium is just pulled across it, and it is true to its form follows function. So. The function of the wooden framework is there and it dictates the form on the outside and i love the i love that's in the, the the philosophy behind that and and it was it's always going to be special to me because i was you know i was just 21 in a in a in geneva on the show stand with a jacket it was way too big for me with press walking up to me going who's this you know who, who who's this 21 year old kid stood next to this task so it has a lot of very fond memories for me, um, and I think it always will do. And it was actually, it was great. The other week, I, I live in Gloucestershire, in, in Cheltenham, and, and uh, there's a hill climb by of them called Prescott Hill Climb. And uh, I took my son, who's four, for a morning to now watch the the, the, hell, the cars race up the hill. And there was an Air Max stood there, and it's the first time I got to introduce him to the car and sort to say, because he just says, like, daddy makes watches, you know, that, that's that's it, really. So it was quite cool to sort of say, well, no, no, before daddy made watches, that he used to make those things over there. And he sort of laughed at it, and then I wanted an ice cream. So completely this Oh, they're,
0: they're <laughs> cruel. They're really cruel <laughs> and that's <dead> for.
1: <laughs> it's a nice experience. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of questions just to put you on the spot a little bit. Here are two for you. The first one is, if you had the opportunity to redesign a car, that maybe you liked but thought you could do better from the past. It could be anything, Model T, right the way through to, as we mentioned, Teslas and stuff, Lucids. What would the car be that you'd want to fettle with and meddle with?
0: We'll be here for five more hours now. Yeah. Than <laughs> the n- amount of number of cars you'll be now bringing up. Um, I th- as-
2: aesthetically, I have a passion for, um, which now again goes back to the Aeromax, why I love it so much, sort of 1930s and 20s. Uh, things that had uh, Tolba Lagos with Fagini and Falashi-style bodies on, the types of vehicles that would be shown at Villa uh, d'Esta. So I think it would be something, I would like to take something like that as influence and then make a modern interpretation of it. So something like a, I don't know, 2800 Alfa Romeo uh, Superleggera bodies, something like that, that's got unbelievable form and, 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 and surface language, um, but give it a modern spin. I think that's probably the direction I'd do. And that's just because that's where aesthetically I I find the the person
1: okay and the second part of that question is if you could take a watch design from the past and play around with it to make it your own what watch would that be? Mm, interesting, you know what I think one of my, I I haven't got one I've
2: got to get one at some point, is a Seiko Pogue I just love some of that some of that odd colouring and real 70s colouring what's that, red, blue and orange? Uh, that orangey sort of colour that they had on, on the dials and things um, it's funny because I, I mean, I appreciate the sort of, um, the, 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 language of, of a lot of sort of vintage watches, but I wouldn't describe myself if I'm being really honest as a watch geek or as a watch aficionado, I come from it for more of an aesthetic value of suppose, and from more of a design side. So, um, you know, the, 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 watches that stand out to me are sometimes are not the ones that that's, um, you know, aficionados would particularly like, but I love them from a design view from an aesthetic point of view um, so I had a collection of, of uh, Romas had some really wild odd case shapes from the 70s because I just like the case shapes of them I thought they were interesting um, it's a difficult one I'd, I, I'd, I'd like to go away and, and look back at more those things I mean I've, I, I love sort of vintage Hoyas and things because I like the graphical content and some of the early Porsche design stuff as well um, I suppose that would be some of the influence I'd go with
1: good answers I like that it's hard to sometimes grab somebody put them on the spot and then have them come out with ideas because so many can flow you could be thinking of so many different cars so many different watches so you did really well there right Katya? where do we take this man next
0: well I was going to ask if you were given that opportunity Ricky which watch would you redesign Are you on I the don't spot? design
1: watches <laughs> I don't really design watches so you can't put me on the spot <laughs> I don't know because I'm not a watch designer I'm not a car designer there are things where you talk about mods and things like that. I've seen updated ideas of like DMC-12 brought bang up to date. I've seen people take the Knight Rider car, which I still think looks kind of futuristic and modern day, and bring that up to current spec instead of 1982 Pontiac Trans Am so I'm yes. going to have to come back and think about that one potentially tell you guys on a future show because again I'm not a watch designer I'm just a mere podcaster
0: well it'd be good to round up but just um, find out what's next for MHD what's your plans I mean you, I know you're designing a few more watches how how big you want to make the brand where you where you go in what's your plans
2: from a brand point of view we, we just want to keep on introducing the plan is to have a few core products which are our sort of um, uh, such as the daily driver. So probably a, a core automatic as well as a mecha quartz. That's, that's, a, that's a watch that we continue to manufacture over time. And then we can adapt dial colors and, and, and um, the graphical content and then, and then keep introducing different, more limited editions and um, taking influence from, you know, we just did a, a watch that was inspired by Gandini. Who's the car designer who, de- who designed the Lamborghini Countach. Uh, so do similar things like that. So basically, in a very selfish, egotistical way, basically take things I love and say, "Right, let's take a three, five, six Porsche. Let's use that as influence to design a vehicle around it." And it doesn't have to be more complicated than that for us. I, I like the fact that we we are doing basically just what we like to do. Um, and it's it's we're not. I'm not. I'm not trying to make a, a statement in in horology. I'm I'm trying to basically give people pro- products and watches that they appreciate and they love the design of them. And they wear them with pride. Um, and that's what, we, what I would like to achieve with our brand, really, is, is that we don't take ourselves too seriously. Okay, I talk very seriously about the design process. But at the end of the day, I just want someone to put the watch on and just love it. I recently, my, my brother started to get into, into watch collecting. And he's never really been a watch person. But it's interesting watching him and how he just, he'll go buy a, a Timex or, a, you know, Low Valley stuff and get just as much excitement out of, oh, I just found this, I just found that, I like this colorway oh, do you like this? Oh, great. You know what? That's what I want our customers to feel the same way. I want them to go, oh, have you seen the new MHD with, with that colour day, that chain? And appreciate it, and not feel it's going to actually charge the world for them to get to have it. And um, That's where I see us see going, really.
1: Well, I see what you're talking about there, and I agree with you. It's all about aesthetic, because any watch, as long as it's got a movement that's accurate and works and it doesn't hurt your wrist when you wear it, all watches are the same. It's all about opinion on creativity. And I like to think of watches as twofold. One is they're artistic. You're having a little bit of flair on the wrist. I say this for my own personal benefit. Men don't really wear much in the way of jewellery. You know, you can't get away with crazy necklaces and bangles and stuff as much as I try my best. So it's always good to have a cool design on the wrist. The sort of second thing is, it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You're exactly right with your friend that's talking about Timex. I've got watches that are maybe £40, £50, G-Shocks, little limited edition things that are under £100. And I get just as much fun out of that as wearing something from Omega, something from Tudor, or something from Rolex. So it's all in the eye of the beholder. Um, Yeah, just really impressed with everything that you have unfolded today Ahead of time with these episodes I do the bare minimum amount of research Because I want to come in here along with the listener and bring them on the journey of exploration and finding out and if I'd been through your website if I'd read your about us page and all that I'd already have knowledge that they don't have and I'd be one step ahead so I'm really glad that I ignored everything, ignored Cassia's advice, ignored all the stuff that she sent me and just hit the road running no pun intended but it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show and I think yeah we're definitely going to have a chat because I want to see some of these pieces in real life well ahead of our event and I think um, yeah if you can afford to send me one or two up just to have a look at for a little well, take some pictures and then return them that'd be fantastic yeah we'd love to
2: definitely I would love, love, love to get your opinion on them actually it's, yeah. Yeah. I always like to have a, a, I, I, in a selfish way I thought I'd have a designer's opinion is uh, even more gratification sometimes so
1: it's, uh, it's always nice to share ideas and, and thoughts so I'd definitely get you something that'd be great I will pretend to be a designer that day for you. Katja, do you want to (laughs) tell the people all about the Alliance and all the news that's been happening over the last few months?
0: We've got lots happening, obviously, the event that we've mentioned before, and then we're creating a careers hub as well that's going to take us a few months. So we're getting all that set up uh, where we're going to basically link all the British employers with all the students and all the workers in the sector no matter what you do, you know, from sales and design into being a watch or clock maker. So we're just going to try and pull everyone together on that hub. Um, we've also got a um, website updated every month. And what we do is feature different trade members, watch and clock companies, tell their stories. Um, and that's what the Alliance basically is about. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's that's
1: that so there we go all it needs to be said is thank you for coming on the show matt and if you want to tell the listeners where they can find out more about you your design process and of course how to get a hold of your watches
2: that's great thanks everyone very very much for having me it's really nice to have a discussion on design and our products and um check us out at www.mhdwatches.com
1: as easy as that well thanks for listening be sure to check out the next episode we're not going to tell you who's on it because we don't even know who's on it that's how close to the wind we fly with these things it could be any brand it could be a creator, a designer, a watchmaker who knows all we know is it will be good so thanks for listening thank you thanks